Welcome to Self-Compassionate Professor, a career wellness podcast for mid-career and recovering academics who want more. More meaning, balance, rest, joy, and more clarity. Our motto here is no regrets. So glad you're here. Hello, how's it going? This is Danielle Delamar, and you are listening to episode 178. And before we get into today's interview, I just want to say really briefly that the Career Vision Workshop that I mentioned last episode is happening on January 2nd at 1230 Eastern. It's a 90-minute workshop, and it's via Zoom, and I hope you come. You can sign up at selfcompassionateprofessor.com, just right there on the welcome page, you can just click on register for Career Vision Workshop and it's free and you will get a chance to practice connecting with your inner wisdom. We will reflect on your career history. We will talk about like the major sort of tensions you have and the major questions you have about your career at this point. And then we'll talk about how to open up to inner wisdom and whether you get sort of intuitive hits in the workshop or not, it doesn't matter because you're going to leave there knowing how to connect more deeply with inner wisdom and how to have sort of an ongoing conversation. So I hope you come. Again, just go to selfcompassionateprofessor.com. It's right there on the welcome page. You click on register for Career Vision Workshop. Now let's listen to the interview I did with Laura Cheadle. Here she is now. Thank you so much for joining our conversation today. I have the pleasure of speaking to Laura Cheadle, burnout and betrayal expert, author, and podcaster. And you even have a TEDx talk. Yes, Laura? I do. Wow. I wish I would have checked that out before um, our interview, but I'll have to check that out. Oh, definitely. Uh, So how are you? I am doing great today. Thank you. Good. I I appreciate sort of the the calm energy you're bringing. Um, And I... I'm thinking about the betrayal stuff that you talk about. And um, one of the things that I read in your email when, when, you, um, when we were talking was that um, betrayal can masquerade as burnout. And um, <laughs> I'm thinking about the calm energy you're bringing. And I also <laughs> know that you've had this sort of healing sort of story. And um, I'm wondering how betrayal showed up in your life and how you got to this place where, you know, you feel pretty good and, and, you know, nice, calm, regulated nervous system, all the stuff. Um, Where do you want to start to talk about that? What feels right? Yeah, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I love that you just bring in the nervous system right away because I, that that's something that is so important, I think. And I'm grateful that so many people are starting to learn more about the nervous system and understand dysregulation and then re-regulation and all of that. So I think probably the best place to start is with my worst moment. 
And that is right before my youngest child graduated from high school, right before I was about to be an empty nester and able to like finally lean into everything that I wanted to do and travel with my husband of 23 years, I found out that he had been cheating on me for 15 years with five different women. Mm. I cannot even begin to tell you how gutted I feel felt and how I mean, just the levels of despair, the levels of disbelief. I couldn't wrap my head around any of it because I thought I had a great life. I thought I had a great marriage, and I was so looking forward to this next step, only to have it ripped away through not nothing that I had done, and it was awful. Mm. I think I know that that catastrophic moment actually ended up being the best thing that has ever happened to me, but it has taken me several years of a lot of intentional work to get to this place of healing and wholeness. But one of the gifts that it brought to me was an understanding Of all of the different ways in the past, I had been betrayed. I had betrayed myself, where betrayal had shown up and I had misidentified it as something else. And the remedy that I sought to employ was one that just masked symptoms and never really got to the root cause of what was going on. And one of those things was a sense of burnout. I was a corporate attorney, and I definitely burned out there. Then I became a stay-at-home mom for many years, and there were many moments of burnout along that journey, too. And it wasn't until I had experienced infidelity and betrayal did I really start identifying, wait, 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 wait. When I burned out as an attorney, it wasn't just that I was overworked. It was that I had unmet expectations. And a betrayal is defined as the breaking of an expectation that ruptures your view of yourself or the world. Mm. Yeah. So that's when I started looking at what were my expectations at work? What are my expectations of myself? What are my expectations in my marriage? And how were those expectations not being met? And you know what came up a lot was also a lack of self-compassion. Okay. You just said a lot there. And I know. <laughs> all of it is really, really powerful. And um, I guess for me, I'm drawn to the definition Um, the breaking of an expectation that ruptures the way you view yourself and the world. Um, And I, I guess the image that comes to mind is just this complete sense of shattering. Like I have an, I have an image of, um, 
of a person, and maybe it's you in this worst moment that you were describing, of um, of just sort of with, with cracks all over you, almost like an animated image of like mm. you're sort of cracking and shattering. Um, and then I'm thinking about... I'm thinking about my audience who are um, people in career crisis who are like you, you know, as a corporate attorney, you were burned out and, and so many of them are burned out. So many of them are, are just kind of going through the motions and um, we have never in, in this podcast, talked about that as being a possible issue of betrayal. Um, what did it do for you to start thinking about it as betrayal as opposed to burnout? Great question. Being able to really shift my understanding and to figure out what was really going on not just treating the symptoms. I'm tired, so I need self-care. You know, mm -hmm. I'm strung out, so I need um, a full-time nanny who can stay later. I can't get to the gym, so I need to hire a trainer. You know, instead of doing all of these different things to try to band-aid a symptom, being able to look back and to reframe it as burnout helped me to understand, like I said, what was really going on so then I could actually treat the root cause and not just manage the symptom. And the people that I've worked with, the, whether it's in a professional coaching relationship or like a corporate training, when people make that shift, first of all, they know what to, they know what to do. But second of all, it gives them the ability to start understanding and communicating what their expectations are. Mm. Yeah. And this can go a little bit deep because it goes to how we've been raised and what we think is just the default position. You know, some people grow up thinking like the default position. Well, of course, everybody's going to have a professional career and it's going to be great. Of course, you're going to be able to balance work and family and it's all going to be fine and you will be seen and you will be appreciated and you will have periodic raises and people will like you. Like we have this whole scenario <laughs> in our head about what it's like to be a professional. And quite often that scenario that we have in our head is different than the scenarios our coworkers have in their heads and is different than our supervisors and the scenarios that they have in their heads. And then we've got the overlay of, you know, the patriarchy, a capitalistic society. We have all of these different overlays that don't match up to the way that we think it should be. And then what happens is we start internalizing it. We're like, wow. I didn't get a raise every year. I, I haven't been recognized. People aren't seeing how genius I am. It's not fun at work. Work-life balance is really hard. I'm feeling mother guilt. My relationship is suffering. I'm not eating well. My body's falling apart. 
And instead of realizing, wow, my expectations were really different than the expectations of those around me and the intersection of the system and the patriarchy and all these things, instead of thinking that, huh, it's all of these other things, what we tend to do is we tend to internalize and we think I'm wrong. I'm not doing it right. I can't hold it all together. I can't do all of this. And then we end up, when we do that, betraying ourselves. Because instead of standing in our truth that, hey, these were my beliefs, and this is where I'm working really hard, and this is where I'm being asked to do the impossible, we start, like I said, internalizing it, thinking that we did wrong, and then we amp up. And like I always say, we try to please, we try to conform, and we try to perform for other people. And that's the betrayal of self. And then 10 years later, we think, why am I not happy? Why am I so burned out? Well, it's because you've been systematically betraying yourself by not identifying what's going on inside, by not being objective, by not managing those expectations along the way, but by selling out, pleasing, conforming, and performing. Okay. So again... I'm, I'm hit with a lot of, um, I want to say information, but it's not information. I'm hit with a lot of wisdom and from everything you just said. And, um, there's this like need to integrate it and digest it and really feel into it. And, um, that's where I am right now. Yeah. I wonder how you started to do that. I love that you said that because it is wisdom and it is deep. And it's not something that you can just go read in a book. It's not something that you can just hear on this podcast today and then show up at work in 20 minutes and say, I'm going to do everything different. It's the (laughs) systematic undoing. It's the systematic realization of who I am and getting back to yourself and learning along the way how to best advocate for and express your expectations, your desires. It's it's holistic and it's a process and it does change you And it does change the system and it does change those around you. And sometimes people have said to me, like companies, when I've worked with companies, they'll say like, I'm really concerned that this will undo my employees, blah, 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 blah. But the truth is it makes people more resilient. It makes people more innovative because instead of just meeting this artificial external line of good enough. It allows people to go within and to cultivate the wisdom that is inside of them. And that is where all the goodness comes. And then when we bring in that self-compassion piece, when we're all standing in our own truth, when we're all able to say, I have to tap out in this moment. In five minutes, I might be okay again. I might just need a little walk. I might need a a glass of water. It allows more flexibility 
for everybody to turn inwards, to listen to their heart, to figure out what they need in the moment. And again, that's where strength comes from. That's where resilience comes from. That's where innovation comes from. So I like that you said that it's taking a while to process because it is looking at the system in a different, more holistic way. And instead of always focusing on the symptoms, getting down to that root and letting that root get healthy and strong so that root can absorb more more nutrients and so it can cause that plant, which is you, to flourish. Yes. And um, the the self-compassion piece of, uh, and the standing in your truth. Like, this is what I need right now. Um, I like, that is one thing that I'm naming, right? Like I yes. need to be able to process this right now. And um, that has taken a long time for me to get to a point where I can name what's happening to me because I've always, I, I mean, looking at um, my notes, I've, I've been taking of, of when you were talking, um, because it's about, like you said, pleasing, conforming and performing. And so for me, it's been about like, um, you know, the, the culture moves fast. I got to move fast. I got to jump on the bandwagon and I got to process quickly and I've got to talk quickly and I've got to, um, make things look really good. The, I guess that's the performance piece, right? Like I gotta, Mm -hmm. I gotta look good. I gotta find a way to show off. Um, and, and yeah, as that, that metaphor of like (laughs) this, this sort of flower that's within you, um, just sort of wilting because you never, ever, ever attend to it. You never go in and say, Whew, I need a breather. Yeah. I need a glass of water. I need to lie down on my floor right now. (laughs) Like we're never, ever doing that. And I can just see that little flower just dying um, little by little by little. And now what I'm trying to think about as you say all of this is, um, again, the concept of betrayal. I want a little connection to the betrayal piece again. I want to come back to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, For example, when I first started practicing law, I went to law school in the early 90s. So it's kind of on the heels of like LA law and all these great TV crime shows. So Mm -hmm. the image in my head of like, what it's like to be a lawyer and I'm going to get these cases and I'm going to be successful and I want kids and I'm going to have this power career and I'm going to come home and I will have had like this great nanny and my kids will be thrilled to see me and I'm going to have this amazing quality time. And then it's going to be this reconnection with my husband and like the the image in your head of how it's going to be was not how practicing law really is. Practicing law, there's administrative tasks. Wait, what? There is dealing with difficult clients. Wait, why aren't they appreciating me? There's Mm. cases that you lose because you are taking kind of a losing case. And wait, what? There's change in law along the way that can determine, shift the outcome of the case. 
I had a senior partner my, in my first career job who was really, really toxic. And I couldn't please him. He was an old guy and he kept yelling about, you need to go file this motion. You need to go file this motion. Well, I started researching that motion was a motion that had been that the, the court quit accepting that kind of motion in something like 1979. And he's yelling. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's the guy, he was the kind of man who's like, I will not take no for an answer and you go do this. So then I'm stuck between that. I really want to please him and not lose my job. And I also can't file this kind of motion and get disbarred because it's not a motion that you can file. So there's like all these conflicting things. And I was constantly put in the position of feeling like I was being betrayed. He he is a senior partner, should have done a better job for the associates. He didn't. I was in front of a judge, and I talk about this in my TED Talk. It was the first case I ever tried, and I won. And the judge called me into his chambers and said I had really nice legs. I should consider wearing pants and not a skirt to cover them up. And he told me that I should be ashamed because I made opposing counsel look bad. And didn't I know who he was? That's a betrayal too. Wait, the senior partner is supposed to have my best interest. The judge is supposed to be fair. The system is supposed to be fair. And it's not. My expectations were not met. I expected that I would be treated with respect. I expected that life would be fair. I expected all of these things and it didn't happen. And when those expectations systematically over time, expectation gets crushed, expectations gets crushed. It really ruptured my view of myself. I thought, I thought I was this good person. I thought I was really smart. I thought I was going to have a successful career and be able to do it all. I thought it was going to be easier. This isn't what I signed up for. And after so many years of feeling like this isn't what I signed up for, this isn't how I thought it was going to be like. It starts eating away at you, your view of yourself. And then you start questioning. You know, we talk about imposter syndrome. But then we start questioning, what's wrong with me? I'm not good enough. I can't, I can't please everybody. I'm never successful. And then you start, you know, diminishing the good things that happen. Well, yeah, that was a fluke. But usually life is hard. And that's not how we go into the world thinking that life should be. We don't think we're going to enter this world where we just get beat up and disappointed day in and day out until we're crushed and shattered and then we die. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. a betrayal. You know, we're, we're raised on fairy tales and not that I think life is a fairy tale, but we're raised to believe that life is going to be good and that if we try, we will be rewarded. If you, you know, follow the syllabus, you'll get an A. And we do, and then we don't. And it's crushing. And so if we're recognizing when we're being betrayed, when our expectations are being betrayed, um, 
out there, mm-hmm. sort of externally, we can, we don't have to punish ourselves. We can say, no, like <laughs> that judge should have had my back. I mean, yes. that, that's just how it is. That judge should have had my back. That was the good thing. That, that would have been the good thing. That would have been the right thing. Yes. Um, and so if we can sort of recognize the betrayal as it comes up, um, we can take better care of ourselves. That's how it's coming up for me right now. Yes. Tell me where I'm wrong. No, you're, you're right. That is the first step. The first step is recognizing that my ex, it was a betrayal. My expectations were not met. And, and that's why I use the term betrayal. It's an expectation, the breaking of an expectation that ruptures your view of yourself or the world. Some of our expectations don't, when they're broken, it doesn't rupture our view of ourself. That's the difference. If I go to my favorite restaurant for swordfish and they're out of swordfish, my expectation is broken and I'm mildly disappointed. Dang it. I came here because I love the swordfish. But that doesn't rupture my view of myself or the world. It's my expectation was broken. No big deal. Think about the COVID pandemic. I don't think many of us thought we would be alive when a world pandemic shut the world down. That's an expectation that for most of us ruptured our view of the world. I didn't think that was going to happen. I didn't grow up thinking one day when a pandemic shuts the world down. And all of a sudden the world gets shuts down and my expectation that the world is always going to be open. I'll be able to travel. I can go to the grocery store. I can just get a shot or, you know, do something to improve my vaccine, my um, immune system. That ruptured all of our views around the world. So it's a big it's an expectation that really ruptures our view of ourself or the world. So when the judge calls me in and berates me for winning a case, it broke an expectation that a judge would be a person of integrity, that a judge is about justice and would do the right thing. That ruptured that expectation. But for me, it cut deeper because for me, it ruptured my view of myself. I thought I was a superstar young lawyer. I thought that I was really smart, that I was really conscientious, and that I had worked really hard to win this case that I objectively shouldn't have won. So when he did that, it ruptured my expectation of myself. And it made me turn inward and internalize the pain instead of saying, what a misogynistic jerk he was. It made me go, what did I do wrong? I'm not safe in the legal system. Oh my gosh, I don't think I'm smart enough. I don't think I should be here. And it caused me to start crumbling and turning within. So yes, that first step is recognizing what happened. What really happened? Was I in the wrong? Because sometimes we are in the wrong. (laughs) Was my expectation not really realistic? That can happen too. But recognizing what happened and how did it impact me? Once you recognize what happened and how did it impact me, that's when you can start going within and doing some of the deep work. What I like to say is betrayal uncovers the truth. It uncovers the truth of what you need to address within you. 
So in that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's deep too. So in that case, it uncovered a lot of insecurity that I had. It uncovered some things that I needed to beef up within myself that I needed to address. Had I done it right in that moment, I would have really realized, wow, I do seek to please. I am this good girl who is always seeking to please other people, and I don't know what pleases me. At that time, that's when I should have started doing the work as to who am I and what do I want? And what is that internal validation? How can I validate myself? What do I want? How can I create the kind of career and the kind of relationships and the kind of everything that I want? Instead, at that time, I didn't do the work and I just continued to seek to please. Oh, I'm so hurt and he's such a mean judge and I'm not going to practice law anymore. I'm going to go corporate because that was way too scary and that was way too intimidating and it ruptured my view of who I am. I no longer want to be in front of a judge. I'm going to go corporate. That's safe. I covered, I hid, I ran. And I never did that deep work at that time. So I am imagining that the deep work would have um, not been the fight flight response, right? I ran, I got out. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, or like I, for me, like I, I have a tendency to freeze, I think more than most, like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Mm -hmm. And like, I can't, I can't think and I can't. Um, I can't process and I can't um, move like all of those things. And so um, I'm imagining like if I were sort of in this freeze response, which I was often when um, I was in burnout, yep. asking some of these questions that um, you're asking, okay, what really happened right? Yes. How was I impacted? Yes. And how can I validate myself, which are, you know, like that is so, that is so self-compassion, right? Like yes. let's turn in, let's notice what's going on with us. And now let's take a second to, um, to show up for ourselves, to hold ourselves, to support ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and that can, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking in these, these nervous system terms at this moment for some reason, but like, if I'm in this sort of free state, asking those questions can warm me up so I can upregulate, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, and if I'm in this fight flight response, like you were asking these questions can sort of bring you back to the calm place by sort of down-regulating you, like bringing down that excess energy when you're asking those questions. So I, I see those questions as, um, uh, I guess, as you've talked about, getting back to the truth. Um, and, and, and it's the truth that puts you in a, in a more regulated state, in a state that, that you can again, as you say, be more whole, be more creative, all of that. How does that land when I sort of reflect back to you what I heard and how I interpreted it? I, it absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on. Because when 
when we do that, when we do everything that you said, it puts us on a trajectory of our choice. And then we, we don't burn out. We don't get exhausted by our career because we've got agency. We're able to think, we're able to make conscious decisions along the way. And we just feel better when we are consciously directing our lives instead of living life at the whim of everybody else and constantly being hijacked by our own nervous systems and never showing up for ourselves and always expecting somebody else to do it for us. Because the bottom line is people will disappoint us, not because we're bad, not intentionally, but because we don't have this meeting of the minds all the time about what I expect from you and what you expect from me. And it's just easier and more joyful to live a life when we're more regulated and we don't take everything personal. Mm. And the thing that's striking me at the moment is you start asking yourself these questions and um, like you said, you get on this trajectory of your choice. I would call it a self-compassionate career path, yes. but you get on this, this new sort of path. And, um, and that's about communicating with yourself, but then there's this other layer. <laughs> like, this is what I'm really thinking about. There's this other layer of like building the confidence, the more you come back to yourself and the more you sort of honor your, your, um, your needs, um, there's this practice of setting boundaries and learning how to communicate with this sort of sense of, um, of strength and clarity. Um, and I'm wondering about uh, that piece, like, um, what was that piece like? Because, uh, I, I think that, um, in our culture, we, because it's so individualistic, we do a pretty good job. Uh, not, no, I shouldn't say we do a pretty good job. We do a better job communicating um, with ourselves about what we need. When we start to really do the truth telling, it's easier to communicate with ourselves than it is other people. Um, that That's what I'm thinking about. And I'm wondering, like, how do you start that um, extra piece, that other element, that communicating with other people about your needs, because that's when it kind of gets scary. That's when people kind of get put off, right? Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? Um, I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> 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 and first, I want to validate everything that you said, because yes, first we have to figure out what it is. I have this analogy, go with me here. It's flirty and it's fun. And the reason that I created it as flirty and fun is so our nervous systems won't get activated. And so we won't do just what we were talking about. <laughs> fun, flight, freeze, fight, any of that. The analogy that I like to use is the analogy of burlesque. And for anybody who has not watched burlesque, and no, I'm not talking about the movie with Cher, <laughs> burlesque is an art form that basically stems from like the vaudeville circuit. And it is strip tease with the emphasis on tease, not the emphasis on strip. But what it is, is it's about teasing as we remove layers. 
So if you think about the stereotypical woman with a boa and a long dress and long gloves, and she's teasing and she takes one glove off slowly, finger by finger, and then she teases with the boa and that comes off. And now you can see a hand where she's removed the glove. And then you see the shoulders where she's removed the boa. And then maybe she like unzips a slit in the dress and now you can see her leg. And it's this slow reveal and it's this flirty tease. And it's not about being gross and ripping your clothes off and being vulgar. It's about this tease. We all know what's under the dress. We all have bodies. All bodies are I mean, different sizes, shapes, whatever, but they're pretty much all the same. There's really nothing spectacular about yet another body. Yet we all have this deep curiosity like, ooh, wow, what is that? What am I going to see? Ooh, it's another hand. Ooh, it's a... There's this, this catching, getting, we get caught up in the tease. We get caught up in the flirtatious reveal. And when I talk to people about how do you start communicating with other people, that's when I bring in this analogy. It's this flirtatious reveal. First, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. That's taking off this one glove. Then we manage that. We get comfortable with that. Then we kind of lead into the more curiosity. What's next? Let me tell you more about what I need. That's taking off the boa and showing the shoulders. Okay, now we're curious and, and that's not threatening. It's fun and it's teasy and it's flirtatious. And this is the important piece. Who's in control? The person taking off the clothes is in control. It is their timing. It is not the other person saying, tell me everything and rip the clothing off. It is you saying, I'm comfortable expressing this now. And now I'm going to dance around and see how that feels. Now I'm going to take this other thing off. And now I'm going to get comfortable there. And I'm going to see how that feels. And now I'm going to speak a little bit more of my truth and show you what's really underneath. And that's the energy that I encourage people to use in order to get more comfortable speaking about their insides. Because I guarantee your insides and the things that you're feeling are very similar to other people's insides and what they're feeling. Yet we all live in this world where we've been conditioned to think that we have to cover and that it's dirty or naughty or bad to uncover. So go slow with it. Go slow with yourself. If you're only comfortable removing one glove and speaking about your hand, Have compassion for yourself. Stay there. When you're ready to do something else, do that. But it's that self-compassion, tease, fun, keep the nervous system regulated, and eventually you will be standing there metaphorically naked with another person who is also standing there metaphorically naked. And that's when you really see each other for who you are. And that's when you really are able to get authentic, to get clear and to move ahead. Mm. I love the burlesque metaphor. That's fantastic. Thank you. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, and what it signals to me is just, um, like you said, empowerment, um, uh, curiosity, uh, and then it's just sort of a, it's sort of a journey. Yeah. Um, that That's how I, that's how I hear it. Yeah. And so I know we're sort of at the end here. Um, would you... Um, would you tell us anything we you think we should know or you feel sort of called to talk about um, to complete this conversation? Yeah, I just want to wrap wrap my words around this whole energy. And you, as you said, it's a, it's a journey. I say it's a dance. It is this dance of give and take. It's a dance of understanding yourself. It's a dance of understanding others. It's a dance of figuring out your expectations. It's all, it's all part of that tease. It's all part of the give and take. And for me, that big self-compassion piece shifts when we understand there's no right, there's no wrong. It's not how do I get from point A to point B? It's this meandering dance along the way. And when we can breathe into that self-compassion and understand that it's a dance that's not meant to be linear. That's where I think the gold is. That's where the magic happens. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I could feel that in my body, the difference between, you know, the walk in the trail yeah. <laughs> and the meandering dance. Um, the meandering dance is so much less pressure. Yeah. It's so much more fun. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Laura, what, um, where can we find you? I guess um, the questions are, you know, there are people who are going to hear this and think, oh my gosh, I need to get more of this betrayal stuff and I need to understand it more and I need to work with Laura. What can we do to do that? Absolutely. Where can we go? Yeah. Go to burnoutorbetrayal.com, burnoutorbetrayal.com. And when you go there, you can pick up a couple of different things. One is a guide that helps you differentiate between burnout and betrayal. And that's enormously valuable. And another thing you can snag when you go to burnoutorbetrayal.com is the top three ways we betray ourselves every day and how to stop. And that'll just take you a little bit deeper into thinking and pondering and processing some of this. Awesome. Laura, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. I have enjoyed every moment of today. Thank you. I have too. Don't forget to register for the Career Vision Workshop. Just go to selfcompassionateprofessor.com and click on register for Career Vision Workshop. <laughs> and we will see you on January 2nd. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Self-Compassionate Professor. Join us in the Self-Compassionate Professor's Facebook group and let us know how this episode landed for you. Also, is the sabbatical program right for you? It's my year-long group coaching program to end the academic overwork burnout cycle and uncover the core career vision beneath.
Check it out at selfcompassionateprofessor.com. Don't forget the .com. Take care.